Welcome to Try Babies, the podcast where we're not afraid to be seen trying and crying. You're joined by Sunroom co-founders Michelle Battersby, that's me, and Lucy Mort. That's me. We helped build the world's largest dating apps, Bumble and Hinge, and now we're in the thick of building our own tech company, and we're bringing you along for the ride. Each week you'll hear from us as we fill you in on the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to business, career, relationships, and everything in between. We'll tackle your try or cry questions and share workplace tips that we've learned along the way, as well as interviewing inspiring business leaders. So get ready to go after what you want, be courageous, back yourself and build your dream career. This is Try Babies. All right. Welcome back to Try Babies. We are talking all about the highs and lows <laughs> of Sunroom. This is going to be a very raw, honest update about how things are going. It's nearly three years since Sunroom was conceived. <laughs> yeah, the birthday's in a couple of days, I think. Is it? That's nuts. November 20th. <laughs> That's nuts. So we are coming up to three years since we began this wild ride. So we're doing a little bit of reflection. But before we get started, let's do our trial cry. So Lucy... What have you been trying or crying about since we last called up? Okay, I guess I have a quick one for for both a try and a cry. I am trying with all my might to build an incredible engineering team at the moment. And that's like, I think I'm just putting, I know I have to put in more effort than I ever have before. I'm like going and taking senior engineers out to lunch to ask them about like how they've built their teams and what we should be looking for. I'm like really networking hard. I am bringing on extra contractors and giving them a shot. (laughs) I am like working super hard with our lead engineer to like coach him and building the team. So it's just like the main focus area of mine right now. And then crying. I think the thing that I most recently cried about was my mom turned 60 a couple of weeks ago and she had a 60th birthday in our garden at home. She had a hundred of her friends, all my family were there. And that would be like the whole Maji community. Yeah. (laughs) And like for context, I'm stuck in the States right now because my green card is in application. And so I can't go home for Christmas. I couldn't go home for the 60th. And my brother messaged me the morning of her party and was like, hey, do you have some like words you want to write for the speech? And I just like reflecting on my mom and that I couldn't be there and then seeing all the photos, I just got really sad. And mm. I think I'm thinking more and more about how I'm like missing some really important parts of their life mm. whilst I'm here. That is hard because how many years have you lived here? Almost nine. That is a long time. Yeah. Basically a decade. Yeah, I know. <laughs> wow. Okay, what about you? Trying and crying. Yeah, I can probably share both actually. I mean, trying for me on the work side, just really trying to land some bigger creators. Got some very exciting conversations happening at the moment, but I think it can feel, I think I've mentioned this before, like I just have to (laughs) be on repeating the same thing so fucking frequently. And so it can be a bit draining to like be be having to perform like that so regularly. But I think it'll be an amazing feeling once we start getting some of these people in the door. And then on the crying side, I think because I'm pregnant, it's so weird. I like go to bed at night and just randomly will have these crying sessions where I'll just think about it's almost like mourning my life as I know it. And so I just lay in bed crying about things. And I've started to think a lot about 
how I used to party and like how I would go out and do and do all these things. But I've also been reminding myself like, oh my God, that doesn't stop. You know, it just, it's going to shape shift a little bit. But I also think it's good that I'm aware of this and it's a lot of change to process, but I think I've kind of been coming through this period of acceptance. Yeah. So that's what I think it's a result of. Wow. That's a lot. I mean, it's really cool of you to admit that because I know outwardly you've been so excited and there's like a lot of anticipation and like optimism around that time. But uh, Do you feel like I've been excited? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Your gender reveal video is just like, you guys are ecstatic. Yeah. Um, that was probably the first piece of content where I feel like I I'm excited, but mm. I feel like in everything else, it's been really quite complex. Mm, mm-hmm. But that is like, there was no complexity there, you know? I think I've just picked up on your excitement based on how much you're thinking about this, how much you're talking about this. Like mm. I can sense that you're, you know, the excitement when you're going to your appointments or anticipation around those. Yeah. I mean, finding out the gender is definitely exciting. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's like, it's such a weird stage at the moment because like my body doesn't really look different Mm. but everything feels quite different yeah um and so I guess it's a good thing that you're doing this grieving now Mm. you know so the child doesn't understand that you're grieving because they're there (laughs) yeah well I mean I'm sure everyone would feel I don't know if it's fear it's just like you know there's change coming but you don't know the extent of that change Mm. some people say it's not that hard yeah but a lot of people aren't really allowed to say that so I don't know there's just loads of different perspectives out there I think I'm just trying to like really feel all the things I'm feeling yeah I went to an NFL game yesterday a live NFL game with a five-month-old baby with earmuffs on he had a great time literally had a great time and then (laughs) like everyone went out to a bar afterwards and he's there like parents are having like a couple of mugs like it's just like yeah that's the stuff you need to say in here yeah honestly not the like just do you wait enjoy it while you can you think you're tired now fuck off (laughs) honestly fuck off (laughs) um Um, okay should we get into it yeah (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So we kind of want to start with like where things are at, like the current state of affairs. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe a couple of facts or points we could share just to like set the context. Historically, we've, Sunroom has always grown month over month, which has been awesome. That's like the name of the game in business. You keep growing, you keep beating your previous month. It's like a grind for sure. But we experienced our first down month, which means revenue wasn't as high as the previous month, um, maybe two months ago now, which was, yeah, it was a bummer. I don't think there's a way around it other than just to describe it as a bummer, for me at least. (laughs) Yeah, I think... It had definitely been a motivating force behind the team that we were able to grow month on month. And sometimes we were able to have like pretty big growth months. But even when we had those months where we would grow, you know, 35% on the previous month, I would still never even really be able to feel all that happy because I'd be like, oh God, I wish we could have just hit the goal and grown by 20% because now (laughs) the goal is even higher (laughs) than the next month. So I think even as we begin to talk about it, it's so interesting because I think what growing month on month does is it actually just makes things easier. Mm. I don't think it necessarily brings you 
more or less joy. I think it just generally makes things easier because there's that hope that everyone can kind of see or like the Mm. results are directly in front of everyone's faces and you can say, oh, look, it's working. But then when we had our first month where we didn't grow, that was the first month where it was like your balloon gets like a little bit deflated and it's not as easy anymore Mm. because there isn't just this naturally, what felt like a naturally inbuilt motivating wheel, you know, behind us pushing our engines along. But like not growing is like, part of reality of any company, like most companies at some point in time experience either a down month or, you know, a a month with a a flat month or a series of flat months. And so I think we kind of needed to experience it to know how to operate in tougher times. Yeah. We've had this conversation a lot. Like I don't think growing all the time is like life is easy if you're winning all the time. You know, like everything is a little bit easier if you win every game on the weekend. Yeah. But if you start losing, that's when you need to dig it a bit deeper. And I think that's when like culture really shows up and camaraderie and like all kind of one team, one dream. We're all kind of feeling this together. Mm. And so I actually think this first down month situation has been the first time where our culture has really been tested and the resilience of our team and I think how we drive the team collectively but also how like individually people Mm -hmm. drive themselves yeah, and how you are when the going gets a little bit tougher yeah, or maybe when things don't feel so certain. Mm. Like we've had, you know, quite a few conversations about morale. I think we're hypersensitive to like the morale of the team because like if the morale suffers, everything suffers. You're not as excited to like do the work, to get things done, to really drive super hard. And like now more than ever, that's the sort of energy that we need. And so it's like, what are the other ways in which we can like conjure up and create really awesome morale? Mm -hmm. So I think it's like focusing on the little the little wins is like what we've really kind of had to default back to. I think like when things are growing, I don't think people shout out the small wins as much as they maybe even should. Mm. But when you aren't having these up months, it's like, okay, you really need to focus on well, what is going well yeah. within the team because like we were speaking about earlier, we've actually still had all of these first time moments. And so it really actually sucks if you allow just this one kind of, it is a core metric, but this metric that you're so focused on to completely overshadow all the things that actually are Mm. looking better and still working in our favor. Yeah. Because like all of your efforts at startups like compound, like the stuff that we're working on right now that won't show up in our revenue for like three, four, maybe five months. So that can like sometimes like test you or test your patience. But to your earlier point, like it has been, I don't want to say confusing, but an interesting time because we have had like a series of really awesome things happen in our business. For example, we had uh, a celebrity for the first time organically find Sunroom and yeah. join Sunroom and yeah. set up an account. She's like, yeah, running it. Now. Yeah. We had a fucking viral reel. I feel like this will just like blow marketers' <laughs> minds. Like we had a viral reel that I think at this point has given us 30,000 Instagram followers. It more than doubled our follower base mm. from this one reel that just went viral. It brought us 
the most ever creators to earn for the first time and I think mm-hmm. crack $1,000 a month in yeah. earnings. And it brought us this celebrity who's Christina Milian, which will be a real throwback for everyone. But like, <laughs> I wonder if she'll say this. I was actually low-key fucking obsessed with Christina Milian. Like I can remember buying her single mm. and she literally just signed up. Mm to Sunroom and we've just been chatting with her, has been bringing on all of her friends. And so there are these really, really cool things coming, but I think it's just felt like it's been really hard for us to like move the needle with the product. Like things have felt hard on the engineering side. Mm. And so there's kind of less happening for us to create these moments out of and new tools for us to give all of our existing creators. Yeah. And so we're having to create more of our own moments. And for context, I think this is helpful for people to like think about engineering as a resource and it's a limited resource. Uh, We have a pretty small engineering team, although we've hired some new people recently, but half of our engineering team has been focused on building Android. That has been like our most requested platform item thing. And so we made the call and we've been putting it off for a while because we knew it would be a drain on our very limited resources. We knew it would mean... And it's point proven. Yeah. Yeah. Like we've had to sort of like put a pause on shipping new features for our existing creators, like the ones using the iOS app, so that we could get Android up and running. And we've just felt it. Like we've definitely felt it. But like those are the sort of like trade-off decisions you have to make in order to like Android is like a longer term, bigger bet. Like it is definitely going to pay off in bigger ways. Yeah. And like, sorry, keep going. Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) But I also think this has just brought to my attention, like we've also copped so much shit on our socials for not having Android. Like Mm. the amount of, and it's usually, I don't mean to generalize, but it is usually men that come and completely shit on us in the comments and in our DMs, basically saying that we must have a shit team and like, how could you be missing out on so much value not having Android? Like who doesn't launch, you know, both of these products at the first, at at the same time? Everybody, nobody launches them at the same time. I know. And it shows (laughs) this, I often sit there thinking, do you feel like you have the authority to say this because you know we're a women-founded company and you like completely doubt our like ability to kind of make decisions and know what we're doing here? Mm. The reason why you don't launch with both of these things at once is because you don't even know if your product's going to fucking work. Yeah. You don't even know if people are going to use it. You don't know what features are gonna, people are going to gravitate towards. So it's like you focus on getting one product, right? Yeah. And then once you've proven, okay, this thing's actually working, people want it, we're in a bit more of a stable position, now we will bring Android into the fold. But this is why you don't do these two things at once. If we had tried to do both of these things at once, it would have honestly taken us two years to even get Sunroom off the ground, Yeah, I think. I mean, I'm nervous now because we're still iterating on the core product. There are still like changes we're making as we as we learn things. And I'm nervous now that we've added a third platform. So every change we're going to have to make and, and test, like we yeah. then have to make it across all the, all the three platforms. Yeah. And the three platforms for anyone listening is our iOS app, web app, 
and Android. So yeah, and it does suck because we're feeling it. I think we've felt it in our numbers that our iOS creators have kind of been left Mm. for, you know, the months we've been building this and then we haven't got Android out the door yet. So we haven't been able to see that boost in what Android might do for our revenue. And so we really have to, we have had to make sacrifices to be able to get this out. And I think it's really drained our engineering team, but I think it's kind of been a bit of a drainer on the whole company, to be honest, because it's taken us a while and we've kind of just been having, we've been having to use what we've got in in the meantime. But we, yeah, I think our mentality around our engineering team and building the engineering team has also changed. Like we've been so under-resourced and I've known that. And we've been basically since the start of the year up until maybe two months ago, trying to fill these like two senior full-time roles and we had the wrong approach essentially and really what we've done recently is we have brought on contractors like senior contractors in some cases it's people that live in other countries but they can start immediately they're very fast they work on an hourly rate so they're like extremely driven and diligent about working within a certain period of time and they already have the skill set and I think we're like relaxing a little bit because we're not like, oh my God, we're having to spend all this time investing in this interview process and deciding whether this is the right mm. person and making them a big offer with like all of these benefits. We're literally just taking like a faster and more iterative approach literally to building the team and resourcing the team. And I think we just got stuck for a long period of time knowing that we, we'd learned a lot about the sort of candidates that weren't going to work. So we were like, let's take our time And it just, I think we like burned a lot of time with a super small engineering team, whereas we should have just like stacked them with, with contractors like we have now, Mm. because we're moving now. I can. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think people would even realize how small our engineering team truly is. Mm. And also like the complexity of our product and that so many things are being done for the first time. I do think we've been really fortunate in the sense that I think our creators really get it, Um, probably because they have a lot of connectivity with our team, Mm. to be honest. Like we do so much for them resource-wise, hosting workshops and have built these relationships and they kind of know that we're building things for them. Yeah. I mean, the, the biggest thing that I would just wish is like more empathy for the process of developing software. Because it's like everybody uses these apps that have been around for like sometimes a decade that have thousands of engineers working on them. So of course they feel completely seamless. Yeah. We're a year and a half, like two years into the development process of Sunroom. Yeah. And we've had basically three engineers. Yeah. And really (laughs) limited resources the whole time. And people are comparing the functionality of Sunroom to an Instagram or a TikTok companies worth billions and billions of dollars with, yeah, thousands of engineers. And that's kind of what we're up against. But that definitely is a privilege. But I do agree. I feel like sometimes people just come at you with demands and it's like, do you actually understand how hard that is or how complex that is? But it's also this expectation that we will have all the things that these other platforms have. And sometimes Mm. there's this feeling of like, oh, you don't, you don't care if you haven't built that. Mm. But it's like, actually, that's just a really complex thing to build that we have to prove way more to ourselves before we know that's a worthy 
investment and worth our time. And it's like if we prioritise those things now, we might never even make it Yeah, if we prioritise the wrong things. But at the end of the day, and this is like credit to you, a lot of our creators have chosen us because of our brand, our unique positioning, and they're not going to use other competitors that have more built-out products because of what we stand for and like how we represent them and like how we help them. Hmm. All this is to say I also really like at the end of the day, we're serving people. We're trying to build something that people really want and that they love to use. And so the end goal is to create something that feels as seamless as TikTok and Instagram. Yeah. And ideally in the shortest amount of time. Mm. Do you feel like, how do you feel our first down month affected you personally? I mean, probably there's a lot of like things that I would say to investors, like, you know, we, we've continued to grow or like, you know, we've averaged this growth rate month over month since we launched or yeah, it's hard building sunroom, but we keep on growing. Like these little sound bites that basically just like gave me a lot of confidence. I felt like no longer truly authentic saying that mm. because of this down month. So partly it was like just like external forces where I'm like, oh man, it wasn't enough for me to like doubt the entire thing. Mm, yeah. Mostly because we've been in market for, I don't know, like 19 or 20 months at this point in time. And this is like, you know, so one out of 20 Yeah, uh, is like pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and I can see that the product is working. Yeah. I think that's it. I think if like nobody was using our product, nobody was making money, nobody was coming on and like getting set up and starting that would feel really shitty to then have that in addition to just like backwards months. Yeah. But where like the people who are making money on Sunroom love us. Mm, yeah. And like that's the like core motivating thing here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they tell us, they're like, this has changed my life. This has literally changed the quality of my life. Yeah. And so like coming back to that and being like, we've built something that people are using, people yeah. are spending time on. Like if you look at the minutes that people are spending on Sunroom a day, mm. like that is so indicative of value, let alone the actual money they're dropping on our platform. Mm. Um, yeah. I think because I still feel like there's so much more to be done, mm-hmm. it doesn't really rattle me that much. If anything, I just see it as a little bit annoying. (laughs) It just annoys me, probably from more of a trend line perspective. Yes, that's it. (laughs) Visually, (laughs) it annoys me. (laughs) Yeah, like true perfectionist being like, God damn it, why didn't it just stay up and to the right? Like, (laughs) yeah, It's it's a visual irritation, but I still feel so much hope. I think it's created a bit of a trigger within my mind, like something I just keep saying and something I really want us to be encouraging the team, like a way I want us to be encouraging the team to think is if we ran out of money in 12 months, you know, this, it, it doesn't work. We've run out of money. That could look like many different things. But if that did happen, what would you be sitting there thinking we should have done? Like, what would you be sitting there thinking was the thing that caused that? What would be your, like, in your memoir, Mm. what would you be writing contributed to that? And that's something that I've, like, really, really started to think about, honestly, 24-7. And so I think if we can also encourage the team to think that way, like, we have such brilliant minds around the table that I feel quite confident in if they approach work every single day with that kind of a mindset, I really don't feel worried. 
Mm. Like if that's how they're approaching, how they prioritize their work, if that's how they're approaching taking risks and learning from it quickly, if it fucks up, if that's how they approach like taking some bigger swings, great. Because my, my thing, it was a bit of a wake up call for me. Like, okay, you know, I don't doubt this, but it's been the first time I felt like, oh God, like imagine if that kept happening, yeah, that would really start to rattle me. And so it's just kicked me into this different way of, of thinking about things. And I think it's also like the main thing for me is just pace. Like it's kind of created this opportunity to reset is how Mm. I would, I would frame it actually. Yeah. We're taking a quick break from the episode to jump in and say thank you so much for listening. We love answering any of your questions that you have about your career, going after your goals. So if you have any questions you want us to answer, hit us up with a DM or a voice note on our Instagram page, Try Babies Podcast, or our Facebook page. Back to the episode. I feel like my, like if, if we failed and I look back, I think my regrets would be centered around our product. Like we just didn't like keep going back to the quality. We are on the same page. Yeah. I definitely like, this is like going to become a Lucy and Michelle catch up recorded, but I've been thinking about this like deeply over, over the weekend, like it's been really on my mind. And Mm. I actually think our product actually really excels in certain elements. Like I think the UI is like incredible. It looks way more polished and feminine than any other product on the market. And that's what we were trying to achieve. Mm. But I also think there are things in it where we've almost tried to do too much. Mm. And I think it can be to our detriment sometimes how much we, we really listen to our community. And I think this is something all founders really need to be aware of. It's like you definitely want to listen to your community and what your customers are asking for. But at the end of the day, you also have to be strong enough to make decisions around, okay, with that all in mind, what is also the best course of action for this business? Mm. And I think we've tried to solve too many problems sometimes and almost like created a bit more of a mountain for ourselves, like technically, Mm. and then also a mountain for new creators who've never heard of us to then climb when they come into our product. And so I think we almost need to be doing a bit of a reset from a product perspective of like, we're still a startup. Mm. Like we still need to be like scrappy, take risks, back our intuition, You brought up the Airbnb podcast the other day. I think the best thing he said is how founders lose their ability to be instinctive Mm. because all they are is instinctive and then they get customers and then they get data and then Mm. they doubt themselves and they get deep in these fucking webs and they just don't take risks. And I think we've been doing that a bit. I want to see us do some risky things. I I almost have like, I don't know if it's the opposite perspective, but like even even thinking about the quality of the product, we haven't gotten the delivery of content right. I know, but we've got too many features. No, just at the most foundational thing, we, yes, we made the decision to add on different ways to make money as opposed to getting the delivery of the core thing that people are paying for really fast and really performant. Yeah. And I think we're now realizing that because in all the cancellation feedback we get when people cancel their memberships, it's literally all oriented around content. Either I didn't get enough content, the content was too slow, the content didn't load. 
the content was annoying to view. Yeah. I couldn't scrub back and forth through the content. Like that's it. That's what yeah. people care about. Yeah. And we just haven't like doubled down and kept going back to that. Yeah. I think we need, and this might scare you or you might be on board. Who knows? <laughs> I think we basically need I actually kind of love this episode because I feel like it's literally a you and my one, <laughs> one-on-one, but it's being recorded, so this is fascinating. I feel like we almost need to stop building any new features, like no features, no refining of any feature that we have and just only focus on exactly what you said, mm. the quality, the upload quality for our creators and mm. the download quality or the way that people view media from a member perspective because that's currently hurting our attention and our reputation, which is bad. And then in terms of what people need, the only thing people really are asking for right now is Android. Mm. So like we really just need to do Android and then just get back to our core functionality because I think those two things are probably the biggest, where the biggest losses and opportunities currently are yeah but I think it's going to be hard for us and I wonder if this is like even because we are so connected with our community and it's always been about the creators you know it's really always been about building for them but I think there definitely comes a point where it's like you almost need to put the um out of office you know Mm. sign up on the door away for 10 minutes Mm. gone to lunch (laughs) and just like focus on like getting these these core yeah. things right because I think we felt like we're in a bit of a race to compete with these other products. I think I feel like you mentioned earlier in this episode they're great but I actually think all of our competitors' products are pretty shit. They don't look as good as ours. They're very buggy. Like mm-hmm. we actually hear people bring up their bugs in meetings with mm-hmm. creators. Mm-hmm. They're missing. We, we did the feature teardown. Yeah. They're missing loads of things that we have. And so I'm kind of viewing it as this like, you know, we know our resources are limited. We know our time is limited, but we do have a really amazing core team here right now. So it's like, imagine how, imagine what the potential is if we can like focus on getting these core things right. And then like encouraging our whole team to think about living their career life out. Like, what are you going to be wishing we did Mm. 12 months from now? And just being a little bit ballsier. Yeah. I worry that once you get customers and you get data, you do stop being as ballsy. I feel like I've reclined into my shell a little bit, Mm. like a little hermit crab. I definitely feel like pulled in a lot of different ways, right? Like you have a strong perspective. Other people on our team have a strong perspective. Our creators have a strong perspective on what's important. I regularly do, you know, user interviews with our members and they have a really strong perspective. And so it's like trying to like get myself into like a Zen state of mind where I can like really just think like, what, what is the core thing here? Like what is... Yeah, it's figuring out the priorities. That's like, I feel like I get most stressed and the thing that I struggle with most in my job is like sorting through all the noise to find the most important thing. Because like as a product manager, which is essentially the role I'm playing now, everybody wants you to do something of their own wishes. Mm. Like everybody has their own opinion about like what should be done next. And it's like, it is fucking hard to like sort through that and be like, what is the most important thing? Who do I listen to the most? I'll I'll tell you who you should listen to the most. Yourself. (laughs) 
<laughs> Seriously. I see so I yes, but I do think it is our paying customers. I think we have maybe over-indexed on listening to our creators because we like pride ourselves on being like yeah. a creator first company. Yeah. And they have very loud voices. They yeah. are they're literally by nature influencers. So they they influence us. But really it's the people who have the dollars and the people who are putting their credit card down. They're the people who they're the creators are building the product for and we're building the product for. So like Yeah. But I think we already know what their biggest pain point is. Yeah. It is the performance. Mm. Like it really is the performance that like everything kind of comes back to. But I think it's really, really important like as the founders of this business that we don't lose sight of the fact that like we wouldn't be here if we both didn't have instincts. Yeah. Like we would never have made it this far. It's about like collecting information for sure, mm. but it is also about like backing your experience yeah. and your ability to make an instinctive decision. Uh, because that will be my biggest regret. Yeah. My my biggest regret will be I did not trust my instincts. Mm. Mine will probably be, uh, and I wonder if other founders and business owners out there relate to this or if you relate to this. I think you just become a bit like, blind. You become a bit blind to the really glaring issues. You just become used to certain bugs, yeah. used to the like quirks of your product, the way things perform, or even the way your team performs. It just becomes the norm and you your like quality expectations adjust because like sometimes it can feel like so fucking hard to set a new standard. We're trying to do that right now with the engineering team. We're trying to set a new quality standard fucking hard because you just have to keep going back and being like it's not good enough it's not good enough it's like that yeah I think what you're describing could actually be like a business's biggest downfall Mm. and like one of the greatest risks Mm -hmm. is to become a bit numb or blind to those things and I don't think it's a fault I think it happens naturally because you get so bogged down Mm. in in the day-to-day and in the grind and, like, both of us get deep in the weeds. Like, I have to make a conscious effort to, like, pull myself out of the weeds, slap myself across the face, remind myself what I've done, what I've been a part of and, like, why I entered into this and what I believe the potential is. Mm. Process all of those experiences and then like trust what my gut is saying we need to do. Yeah. Because I I also don't want it to be like misconstrued. When I say like listen to yourself, trust your gut, that's not you making a personal preference. That is you having experience and like backing that experience. Like that is where mm. an instinct comes from. It is a download of like anything yeah. you've ever been a part of. I think the interesting thing that I'm realizing about myself is some instincts or, you know, intuition that comes up, I will unconsciously push away because of the work I know involved in listening and honoring that thing. Mm, which interesting. Is, yeah. Do you have an example? Um, so like maybe some examples around our product. Yeah. Literally media loading. I know that in order for us to like probably like really resolve it and really make it freaking amazing, I probably need to go out and spend a lot of money recruiting a really talented video engineer who like has a bunch of like knowledge around video engineering and can work with our lead engineer, Nick, to like really make it a fucking amazing experience. And I think I like look at that and I'm like, that seems like really difficult and expensive. 
Um, what would you be doing if you weren't doing that? Like you, with you focusing on that, what do we lose you focusing on? Uh, like probably like, like thinking about the product. Whenever I'm really thinking about recruiting, I have to like think less about our user's experience of the product. I honestly think we just need to make you do that (laughs) (laughs) because the user experience of the product is worse, is at its worst right now because of the video performance. Mm -hmm. So like if you focus on A, you're going to be making B better anyway. So, okay, case closed. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, this is like an example that I'm already working on. Like I've already like realized it and I have brought us on. Well, yeah, he's starting soon. A really dope Android engineer who can help us with like the Android video loading issues, which are like definitely the worst. Yeah. Um, mm. I just wonder, like I do sometimes, I hate to make it like a gendered thing, but I do, I am just so curious about like, the male and female like founder experience because I just think men are probably like, do you reckon they back themselves even when they don't have the experience? Mm. I just wonder if like they get themselves into these situations where, I mean, it's like a good, it is a good thing to listen so diligently to your users, but I think it can also be a bit of a head fuck because I think it can kind of steer you off course sometimes. Like we've definitely built things people have said that they want and they've been completely underutilized. Mm. Um, and I think that's what we need to learn from and be thinking like, okay, sure, they've said that they're, they want this, but like history shows this yeah. kind of thing actually isn't really adopted. And that's just like, I think, natural progression as you go through a business and experiment more and more. Like you just have all these notches on your belt of like, uh, no, like 10% of our users will adopt that. It's not worth the the squeeze. I don't know about you, but like, I just kind of feel like I'm entering my ruthless era. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I just think, and like, I mean ruthless with empathy, Mm. you know? Like, I think it's almost more as a service to myself, which I see as like a service to Sunroom. Mm. Like if we don't start really like I think pushing ourselves and our team and like not letting our standards drop but also really staying true to how we got here, I I think that's what we need to be doing. My coach, my CEO coach really helps me with that because he can I think, I think sometimes I operate too much from a place of empathy, even when thinking about like performance managing people, like some of the stuff I'll say to him, he knows that I'm caring to, or putting too much focus on like their feelings, how they're going to feel about the process of being performance managed or how they might feel about leaving Sunroom or or whatever. And he's just like, you need to feel and care about what the business needs. Mm. And it's like, it's a ruthless, it is like more of a ruthless take. It's more of a ruthless approach. Mm. I think it's definitely, it's aligned with this nice first kind stuff. Mm. Like you could also completely flip the narrative. Like it's also an opportunity to put someone on a performance plan. Mm. You're giving them an opportunity mm-hmm. to, to get to where what's expected of them with mm-hmm. extremely clear deadlines. And I've struggled with this as well, as you know. It feels horrible when that doesn't work out, but it's not our fault if someone doesn't take the opportunity yeah. that is presented to them. Yeah, It's kinder to just execute it 
as like quickly and clearly as possible, I think, Mm. and ensure that you know at the end of the day you gave someone a chance. Yeah, totally. Are we where you thought we would be three years in? (laughs) Fuck no. (laughs) Where did you think we'd be? I told you on the cover of Forbes. (laughs) US. No, I don't know. I think um, we're not where I thought it would be at all. But I'm still very proud of of things that we've done. Mm. And I still feel a great sense of excitement and opportunity around what we're doing. And I think I also have a completely different perspective on I had very out of line expectations coming into this. You know, I was just completely delusional when it came to running a startup and scaling a startup and how this would be. We thought we were going to do a million in sales in our first month. (laughs) That that cracks me up. That really cracks me up. That's (laughs) why it is like it's because we also came from these unicorns. Like the numbers I was used to seeing were like bumble numbers. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about a social app. Mm-hmm. from through the lens of Bumble. Like mm-hmm. that does not set you up for success. I think that's the thing. There are a very small handful of startups that immediately get traction and they're the ones that are like, you know, the darlings. And often some of them like fizzle out, but the ones that end up surviving and flourishing, you're like, oh my God, you know, they were able to do that in the first year or in the first year and a half, or whatever. But a lot of people, I saw this chart the other day um, in Lenny Rachitsky's newsletter and it charted the time from launch to I think maybe their like first million in revenue, all these different, like Figma. Figma was building their product for four years before they even launched. Maybe it was even five years. And then it was another couple of years before they reached a million in yeah. annual revenue. Yeah. But now, I mean, they just sold to Adobe for $20 billion. Yeah. It was like a long, some of these products just are a long-term game and, and there's like more to build before it's like a really like fully functioning product. Absolutely. I love, I love those stories. And I love reminding myself, you know, Netflix was founded in the nineties. You know, I think those kinds of stories are really important to remember. Are we where you thought we would be? No, my expectations were way out of line. (laughs) Yeah. But to be honest, I think I needed that optimism, A, to be able to pitch investors like I needed to really believe that XYZ was going to happen within the first like year or two and to be able to do it. I think you, uh, like it's good that founders are a little like deranged in the yeah. beginning because I don't think, I still would have done it, I think, but like I thought yeah. it was going to be much easier and everybody thinks it's going to be much easier than it actually is. Yeah. I actually think you need to maintain an element of delusion the whole way through. Mm. <laughs> I think that's like what really, what kind of keeps you going, you know? Like you need to be able to, you you need to maintain that belief. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a quote the other day that just really hit home and it was uh, people don't fail, they give up. Mm. And I think that's true. Like I think this whole experience has also just already given me a completely different perspective on failure. Like I don't even know if I even believe in the word failure, Mm -hmm. to be honest. Mm -hmm. I think it is just about perseverance and I think every opportunity is what you make of it and how you allow that experience to leave its mark on you. Yeah. It seems like most people that do get into ventures like this quit 
because they get too tired. Mm -hmm. They get too, they cannot muster the energy to like do another round of iterating, to like hire that extra person they need to, to like pivot. And yeah, Yeah. exactly. And so I think that's the thing to, to guard. I'm like constantly, not constantly, but I do think about my energy. I do think about my how alive I am and like, you mm. know, like willing and ready to keep going. Yeah. Because like if that if that fades or fizzles, I think it's incredibly dangerous. Mm. Agreed. Yeah. So it has been interesting with the current state of our business when, you know, I have friends, relatives ask me or, you know, regularly, it's one of the first things they say to me is like, how's, how's the business going? How's Sunroom going? And I feel like, I always feel like I want to be honest, to be fair. And so... And my answer at the moment is it's going well. It's really challenging. We're in a hard spot right now. And it's so fascinating. Like nine times out of 10, the reaction is like, oh, okay, sounds tough. And it's it's awkward because it's not the response that they want to hear or expect to hear. Mm. And then there's no sort of digging in deeper. And I, I get it. Like, yeah, you maybe don't want to dive into the challenges of my business, but mm. it is, yeah, people expect to hear optimism and everything's going great and like loving it. It's all good. Yeah. I feel you. I'm in one of those stages where I don't want to be asked Mm-hmm. So as soon as someone, I mean, my answer at the moment is, yes, yeah, still alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say. Because <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you can't really come back to that. Yeah. Because I just want to like shut it down as mm. quickly as possible. I don't, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to be asked. It already consumes my mind 24-7. I don't need it to consume all of my social interactions as yeah. well. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to Try Babies. Follow us on Instagram if you want to see more and make sure you subscribe. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Michelle and I's one on one. Yeah. Live one on one recorded. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode. A quick ask if you enjoyed listening, it would mean the world if you could jump on Spotify or Apple and review the podcast. Five stars only, please. We need to build that army so we can read what you loved and what you want to hear more of. We're so grateful to have such an incredible community of empowered, motivated and confident women supporting each other here to go after their dreams. That's what we've needed most throughout our journey. You can subscribe so you don't miss our episodes or head over to our Try Babies podcast Facebook group and Try Babies Insta where we can connect with you more and ask us questions that you want answered in the show. See you on the next episode of Try Babies.